All right. So here we are. So first show, first show of the semester. I mean, it is a little bit into it, but let's get going. You know, we got a lot to cover. So let's start off with the sports that came back during quarantine. You know, we have uh, the NBA and WNBA. They both came back in bubbles in, was it Orlando, I believe? Yeah, so, Disneyland. Yeah, so. Or Disney World, my bad. Disney World, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we got, um, yeah, we got, we got the Lakers winning the finals. Uh, I don't know much yeah, about congrats basketball. to them. Steve, I feel like you might need to take this over here. <laughs> Yeah, congrats to the Lakers winning NBA Finals. Uh, honestly, everybody doubted them going into the playoffs, going into the season. Uh, I remember everybody chirping at the beginning of the playoffs when they were playing against the, the Blazers. Everybody was saying, oh, this is the greatest eighth seed of all time that they're playing here. And they're really in trouble, but they pulled through, man. And LeBron James won his fourth ring. That's huge for his legacy. Now he's yeah. got a ring for what, on what four teams? Definitely, definitely. Uh, it's it was a great series, man, and they did a great job uh, with the bubble over there. That's what you want to talk about. That was a huge success. Definitely, for them. and and you know, I mean, at the beginning there were some there were some trials and tribulations. There was a a player that did sneak out of the bubble and go to a strip club. Um, I do remember that. That was just for the chicken wings, though. It was just for the chicken wings. It was just for the chicken wings. And, uh, you know, we had a little bit of some, you know, there were, there were times where it was looking like it, you know, the, the players couldn't really maintain that control of staying in the bubble, but it actually ended up working out. And, you know, we had, I don't believe that they had a positive test in the bubble the entire time. And it was going for, you know, 70, 80 days. So yeah. actually probably longer than that. Right. Yeah, over 100 days, actually. Over 100 days in the bubble and not a single yeah. positive test. And and on the same kind of wavelength, you know, the, the NHL did the same similar thing, had a bu- had bubbles in Edmonton and Toronto, and were able to, to keep it going. So, honestly, um, you know, we've seen that the bubble system works. And we also have examples where the bu- bubble system doesn't work, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, as far as the finals, you know, it was uh, the Lakers and the Miami heat uh, and the heat had some, some really interesting play. They had some really good uh, solid talent out there, you know, and coming back from, you know, the doldrums of, of when they, where they were after, after LeBron left, you know, it's kind of, kind of really cool to see that they've research had a resurgence. And I mean, Eric Spolstrom is still there, which is shocking to me, but you know, after, after all that time of, you know, the team being so, so, he was able to he was able to stick around and, and bring them back to the finals. So Yeah, I think that this was pretty huge for Heat fans everywhere if, if to, to get that chance of getting revenge on LeBron after leaving uh in twenty fourteen. Uh that would have been pretty sweet for them. But, you know, with the play of guys like Jimmy Butler and Tyler Harrow. They were close to it, man. I, I didn't think that they would make it a series, but they were able, actually able to win two games. Yeah. And it, that impressed me by a lot. That impressed me a lot. Definitely. And, and I mean, think about, think about the star power that, that the Lakers had, you know, with, with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and, what, Ray John Rondo and all these guys who just kind of, uh, kind of contributed to this, like, really good, cohesive unit there. Like AD, mm-hmm. AD and, and LeBron are a killer combo. We know that. Um, but 
you know, the the Heat were able to hold their own. I mean, winning two games out of the finals is pretty pretty good. <laughs> to be totally yeah, honest, for but... a team for a team that honestly probably didn't expect to be there at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I'm sh- yeah, but I'm sure that they would have liked to win a few more. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, <laughs> and close it out. Of course, but but you know, it has to show them something. Like even even if yeah. they didn't even if they didn't win at all, it definitely has to show them that you know there's things to look forward to. Yeah, and they have a bright future with guys like Tyler Harrow, the youngest player ever to play in a finals game, uh, only 20 years old, and who who is a bucket, in fact. He is a bucket. Uh, he will tell you. And the future is bright. I mean, yeah, definitely. And and look, I I know that that it has been difficult, kind of this this bubble system, having players away from their families, um, you know, trying to maintain everything, keep them entertained and, and, uh, entertained and, you know, happy. And I know at the beginning, I believe it was, was it Rondo who said that, that the hotel rooms were like a joke and that it was like living in a motel six. Like, like I think at the time, at the beginning, there was a lot of, a lot of worry about how it was going to pan out. You know, the food wasn't exactly, um, up to the par of, you know, high paid NBA players and stuff like that. And the, the the accommodations, which I will say that the hotels that they were staying in are beautiful, um, that they didn't they didn't seem to think so. <laughs> but you know, either way, the the work that Disney put into making this a thing is honestly incredible, and the fact that we we were able to get an NBA champion after all of the trials and tribulations is really awesome. Absolutely. I mean, this is something that has never been even attempted before. Yeah. You know, you're bound to have a few bumps in the road, especially early on. But they've managed to accomplish things that were unbelievable. And we have seen implemented in other sports. The idea of the virtual fans that you saw on the screens in Orlando, that was never an idea before. But now we see that in NFL games. We see that in MLB games. And it's really a lot of fun, too. Yes, yeah, definitely. And I think it's going to be something that sticks around for quite a while. And and I, I look forward to it. I mean, look, honestly, like, you know, it's it's a, I think that it, it provides a fan experience that they wouldn't otherwise have. And it also gives gives fans the opportunity to, to feel more involved in the game when they're not actually even there. So I, I do love that. I think that. At least, like we saw it, like you said, we've seen it. We've seen it in the NBA. We saw it in the NHL. I mean, the NHL did pretty much the same thing as the NBA, and it also worked out brilliantly. Not a single positive test when they got there, and not a single positive test throughout the whole thing. Um, I mean, that might also have to be with considering that Canada's case caseloads are pretty low, but that's also a, a separate issue. Um, you know, I I really do think that as part of this kind of transition into more of a virtual experience rather than just a full in-person experience and, and just having the, the broadcast on the TV, I think it provides fans a, a feeling of more, you know, of more, uh, yeah. Uh, of <laughs> my parents. Definitely more involvement. Yeah, definitely, definitely more involvement. involvement. My, my it's an interactive uh, experience and yeah. almost a pretty exclusive one at that. You know, th- there were a lot of people who tried to get onto those boards to be uh, virtual fans, but they could only take a select few. 
So it's Definitely. a fun, fun thing for the fans. And as part of that, they also have in, in NFL stadiums, they have the celebration cans in the, in the end zones. So that gives, you know, fans a more, a more in-depth view and look at these teams that are doing, you know, fun, fun things, let's say. So I yeah. do like that. I think that it will stick around for the long term. I think that fans have become accustomed to more of a virtual, you know, more of a, a virtual experience rather than just watching on the TV. Yeah. So I think it'll stick around for the long run. I think it was also really good that the NBA was able to figure that out in the way that they did because NBA basketball probably would have looked the strangest out of any sport that we watch without any fans. Definitely. I mean, I, I don't know about that because because hockey is hockey is also a very rowdy sport. A lot of the a lot of the fans are very into it, very loud. Um, especially in these like, you know, stadiums that hold 18,000 people, it's, it's, it is a very, like the, the crowd is definitely a factor. Like the Rangers sell out every game. I, I feel like a Rangers team thrives off of the, the support of the crowd more than, more than you think. But there's that proximity to the players where in hockey, you know, there are boards separating the fans from the rink. And in yeah. baseball, there's a huge field of play. And same in football. But in basketball, there are people actually sitting courtside. And it's a very intimate setting. Very true. A very, very small barrier between the players and the fans. And that visual of having nobody in the stands would have been pretty strange, I think. So I'm very happy they were able to figure out and implement the changes that they did. I mean, definitely. I, 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 from there, you know, we'll kind of move it on. Just talk about the NHL really quickly. Uh, obviously, the Tampa Bay Lightning won the Stanley Cup. Congratulations to Ryan McDonough and Ryan Shattenkirk. Uh, or Ka- Kevin Shattenkirk, sorry, my apologies. Uh, former Rangers players who did finally win a cup, especially Ryan McDonough, who, who didn't win a cup with the Rangers, finally gets his cup. Um, that being said, there's a lot that, that is changing. Jesper Faust signed... Uh, signed, I believe, with the Carolina Hurricanes. Um, Henrik Lundqvist, longtime Rangers goalie, signed with the Washington Capitals after the Rangers bought out his contract. Honestly, I never thought he'd be playing for another NHL team. I never thought he would. He's a he's a New York icon. He he's been he's been the guy for fifteen years plus. Like, I'm shocked that he that he signed somewhere else and didn't just like go to Sweden to play. Yeah, it is a pretty surprising move. One of those things you've never seen. Yeah. That you never expect to see. But uh if the money's there, I can't blame him. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it's it's almost like it's almost like Piazza playing with the with the Oakland A's at the end of his career or something like that. Like Piazza's always gonna be remembered as either a Dodger or a Met. It's not like, you know or or actually here's a here's a perfect example. Marty Brodeur played for the played for the New Jersey Devils forever and then went and signed with the St. Louis Blues. And like and retired halfway through that season, so I can't say for certain like, you know what? <laughs> Sorry, uh, yeah. So I can't say for certain, you know what what Henrik is thinking, but it's honestly shocking to me. Like the guy, the guy was here. I yeah, it's it's yes, it's about the money. I know. See, this is an interesting, interesting dynamic we have here that that I could see Steve on the on the screen, and he he's giving me hand gestures and stuff. I'm giving him the Johnny Mansell money <laughs> sign. <laughs> <laughs> but like, you know, I, 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 it's definitely about the money, obviously. 
But it's shocking to me that he would play for another NHL team. I mean, he, he was the king. He was the king of New York. And, and he's now going to go play in Washington, D.C. It's just weird. Yeah, it must be strange for hockey fans, especially Rangers fans, to see this. Oh, it totally is. Like I, I mean, he already told he already told Alex Ovechkin he's not doing he's not doing uh, one timer drills with him. So you know that'll be. <laughs> I, I I think I think that he's a little bit worried. <laughs> so. <laughs> Walk to a good start. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Um. So now that we've talked about you know bubbles, let's also focus on the non bubbles now. So we have the NFL season and we have the MLB, both of which both of which have had COVID problems. I mean, in the NFL, we had uh, we had the Titans um, have a bunch of positive tests, um, and then afterwards, you know, a bunch of players were seen working out at a high school field after their facility was shut down to to mitigate the risk. Um, that being said, they are back on tonight. You know, uh, we we do have. Some games like they have they have postponed some stuff. I mean, usually there wouldn't be Tuesday night football, obviously, but here we are. So <laughs> that's kind yeah. of an interesting interesting sort of change. Um, but is it is it going to be a problem going forward? I mean, we're we're definitely we might have um, we might have a special guest coming on in a few weeks to talk about this. But from our perspectives, do you think that it's going to get worse? I do think it's going to get worse. We're at a weird point in time right now with the NFL, where I believe that at any second games or the whole season potentially could be canceled I, due, I to, due, totally agree. due to positive tests, due to these positive COVID-19 tests. I mean, you're already seeing what's happening with the Broncos and the Patriots, uh, Cam Newton, to name a star who, who has uh, contracted it. You mentioned the Titans. And really, at the end of the day, these players are going to want their bye weeks and they don't want games scheduled on those bye weeks. Totally. And the only solution I can see here where players need to be quarantined and medically cleared to play on the field, because the last thing you want is spreading to actually occur on the field, is that the NFL is going to have to simply add weeks to the season. It's going to mess with the TV schedule, sure. It's going to mess with uh, when the Super Bowl is. But – in order to get all these games played and make sure that these players all have their bye weeks, which they need in order to recover, they're going to have to add weeks to the season. Definitely. Definitely. And, and, you know, I look, we've seen, we've seen the troubles that teams have keeping, keeping people controlled. You know, we, we have definitely seen problems with, um, you know, getting getting players to, to stick around inside of the bubbles uh, between, you know, between obviously, like we said, that that NBA player that went to get chicken wings at a strip club um, and, and stuff like that. Like there's there's always going to be issues. There's still the issue of human free will. That's never going to that's never going to go away. So I think that that that's kind of the situation that the NFL has to mitigate. And from my perspective right now, I don't think they've done a good job. I don't think they've done a job at all. And, you know, there has been talk about a bubble system in that way that all the teams will have to quarantine in their in, in team hotels until the end of the season. That, again, is, is going to be an issue. Like, it's the same thing with the NBA bubble where, you know, players are away from their families for 100 plus days. It, they, they, you know, are kind of kind of felt tra- they kind of feel trapped. 
I mean, it's it's really a difficult situation. Definitely. Yeah, this is a this is a case where I think the NFL has been totally late to the punch, and uh, there was never a plan. If you're going to do a bubble system, part of the problem, just to add on, is the different rules and regulations going on in the different states that the players are playing in, where in some states fans are allowed in the arena and in some states they're not. I'm not saying that it's the fans coming in and spreading the virus to the players, but as long as you're allowing fans into these arenas, it is not a true bubble system. Definitely, and I totally agree. It's it's. I think that they have a lot they need to... Um, I think that they have a lot that they need to do in order to, you know, in order to, to mitigate the risk. Um, you know, and I think that they should have learned from the MLB because the MLB was not running a bubble system and was not, you know, and didn't really have the right control on the players. And we saw some issues. I mean, there was, there was a cluster with the Marlins. There was a cluster with the Cardinals. There was a cluster with the Mets. There were clusters everywhere. And, and they, you know, I think as time went on, the the MLB smartened up. They they made a compliance officer go with every single team in the league. They made sure players weren't being stupid. And towards the end of the season, things things worked out because the players were following protocol. And I think for the NFL, it is a harder situation because you know there are, there are fifty three guys plus a whole lot of coaches that you do have to keep track of, and one compliance officer officer probably isn't enough. But then again, you know, I feel like they should have they should have come up with something because they had that example of the NFL, you know? Yeah, exactly. I mean, this is also something that you're just going to see happen when you have players traveling around the country. That's that's the main issue is the people they're not staying in one place and they're interacting with many people on their travels and that's how they're going to contract the virus, and that's how it's going to spread. Definitely. It's just like you said, uh, they, they should have learned their lesson from the MLB example and see what they had done and possibly implement some of the same things that the MLB did. But there's been a total lack of planning and a total lack of um, compliance all, all around. And if the NFL season has to be canceled or any sort of – changes need to be made to the season. They really only have Matt um the commissioner really only has himself to blame. I, I totally agree. And I, I I mean this is not to say that the MLB is without is without blame on a lot of things because they are definitely definitely culpable for a lot of things. I mean the commissioner the commissioner not negotiating with the players association for however long until he got his way of a sixty game season. All like to be honest, a lot of what the MLB did was messed up. It did not go the way that it should have. The the uh, the negotiations took way too long. Uh, the the league didn't listen to the players, and I think that the league kind of kind of ruined themselves. You know what I mean? If they were their own worst enemy in that sense, because yeah. they weren't getting the games, they weren't getting the games that the players' association wanted. They weren't giving the salaries that the players wanted, which are obviously totally, totally, it's, it's totally a fair argument. I mean, I think that 
I think that they were asking for, for players to take less than a prorated contract, which I don't understand. I mean, if they're playing 60 games, I understand that there's no fans in the stadium and the, and the, the revenues are off. But at the same time, the, the players are still under contract. So I think that, again, the MLB is definitely not, not you know, getting off scot-free here in what they did. But they learned along the way. They learned along the way how to control this, how to control these outbreaks, and how to make it better for the whole of the MLB and to finish up the season. That being said, the season is still going, but now they're in a bubble and it's a different story. Um, so I, I think, yeah, after that we should move on to, to the MLB bubble. Um, bubbles, I should say. So the Yankees lost in five games. I know that's a very painful, sore subject for you, Steve. Yeah. I mean, it, it ended the same kind of way it ended uh, a few years ago, or was it last year for Chapman? Dude, Chapman has uh, many playoff troubles. I mean, he's just, I, I think that he needs a, he's a shrink because honestly, it just feels like he's, he's, he's in his own head a lot because uh, somebody was telling me that, that this year it, it, it was kind of a similar situation to last year where uh, he was trying to throw a pitch that wasn't particularly like his best one or one that he was working on and it got crushed. Like I, I, I must say it, it, I think that he needs to get out of his own head and stop and, and go, go with his greatest hits. Let's say, let's say throw the fastball. Like you have an a hundred mile an hour fastball, throw your fastball a bit more. He's not doing that. He, he keeps getting, he keeps getting beat on the breaking stuff. So yeah. Yeah. Or all this Chapman has, created quite a name for himself in the, in the playoffs. I mean, Definitely. it's been three times now he's given up either a game tying or game winning or go ahead run late in the, in a game five or game seven of uh, the playoffs. He did it when he was in Chicago in the world series against the Indians. He did it last year when the Yankees were playing the Astros, he gave up a, walk-off home run to Jose Altuve, and now this year he gave up a bottom-of-the-eighth home go-ahead home run to the Tampa Bay Rays. And, I mean, twice is a coincidence, but three times is a, is a pattern. Definitely. And, and, and yeah, I, I, look, that being said, it's the playoffs. He's facing great teams, but at the same time, this is a guy that the Yankees are are signing and and paying to rely on. Like it's it's not he he can't be giving up home runs when it counts, and that's what he's been doing the past few years. Yeah, we can get into the managerial implications of bringing him in in the seventh inning, oh. and we can talk about how the Yankees' offense only scored one run in Game Five, but really. The talk of the town is Araldis Chapman. That's the big deal and the big narrative coming out of this game. The Yankee, the Yankees can't hit when it's on the line. Is what is what really in Game Five that was their downfall. But but what plagued them for a lot of the series was the mismanagement by Aaron Boone, and and you know taking out Davey Garcia after what twenty seven pitches in one inning, he only gave up one run. I think that that was a big downfall for them because you you know from there you you ruined your whole bullpen. Like you, you overworked guys, didn't manage it as be, as as good as you could, and uh, in the end, that's that's what what did them in. I would say, I think. I agree. Yeah, I think that that 
at least at least for from the Yankees' perspective, they have to have a good long talk with Aaron Boone and be like, you have to understand that even though this is the playoffs, you still have other games to look to. Like exactly, that was an example. That was an example of trying to get too cute with it. He thought that the they were going to con- he was going to confuse them somehow in in a order of all lefty hitters i'm going to put in now a righty and switch it right up on him so that i can get a lefty pitcher going on lefties and like i said that's just getting too cute with it you're in game two of a five game series and people will look back at that decision and say that's a reason that you lost this series and and look i i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to you know give give aaron boone too much flack but but come on, I mean that that's that's just boneheaded, frankly. That that you're you're I know that in the playoffs things are changed and and the moves that you have to make have way more have way bigger implications than that would during a regular season game. But at the same time, you still have to look to the future, and he just didn't. And and I think that that was a big reason why the Yankees did not pull it out this this time. Um, I agree. Another big reason though is that the Rays are really good, <laughs> like. I was saying this, the Mets played the Rays late, late in the season this year. And I was like, I've never heard of half of these people. Like I've never heard of like any of them. <laughs> I've heard of Manuel Margot, Blake Snell, Charlie Morton, Tyler Glass now, and maybe G man Choi. Oh, G man Choi. Like, but that's it. <laughs> like they are. I, I think that a lot of credit has to go to Chaim Bloom for a lot of the work that he did before he left for the Red Sox. I, I genuinely do. I think that he is a great baseball mind. He knows how to how to work with 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 constraints, and they built a great great team. That like they they just do things so much differently than everybody else. They play a lot of they play a lot of four man outfield, five man infield, all of these like crazy things that a lot of teams wouldn't think to do. Uh, the opener, like the 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 reliever that comes in pitches one to two innings in the beginning of a game just to just to set the tone a little bit. And then bring in a long reliever. Like these are things that other teams just don't do. <laughs> it's yeah, not I mean, they're a really well constructed team. They have the ability to do that. They have great pitching, uh, great hitting, yeah. and Randy Arzana really turned it on in the playoffs. And for sure, G Man Choi's awesome. uh, just a just a wall at first base. That guy awesome. can pick. That guy can pick balls and stop anything thrown at him okay he's built like a house too he definitely but still is. he can he's able to do a full split it's he never mind never mind incredible. the bat too on top of it like he has a great bat yeah, exactly. also he's just an all-around good player and and these are guys that came out of nowhere <laughs> like i mean that their payroll is what like 75 million dollars like their payroll is is what the Yankees were paying Jacoby Ellsbury, Giancarlo Stanton, and Aaron Judge combined. Yeah, they have a pretty small payroll. And the great thing about the Rays is they're just a fun team to watch. Hundred oh, percent. I mean, after the game, after the game, um, after game five, they were having a whole like they were out in the field for hours, like having a dance off, and and you know, it's it's awesome. Like the fun, the fun that comes out of out of baseball is is hard to see sometimes. And I feel like they they don't care if anybody if anybody judges them. They're they're just out there to have fun. And I think that frankly, for a team that that you know is only worth seventy five million dollars salary wise, they they honestly deserve the right to have fun with it because they have worked their butts off to get here. 
And I mean, now they're in the ALCS against the Astros and they're holding their own. So exactly. That's one of the things. That's why I wasn't so bitter about losing game five. I was upset. Don't get me wrong. But if, if I want anyone to go on and beat the Astros, it's the Rays. <laughs> Definitely. And I, I look, I, I think that we're going to see some, some great, some great games in this, in this series. I think that, well, right now the Rays are up two nothing, two nothing, right in the series. Right. I think that we're going to see some, 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 some like classic games here because I think that a lot of people want to see the Astros go down. I don't blame them after the cheating scandal and everything, especially Yankees fans want to see them go down and Dodgers fans too. I'm sure. But you know, I, 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 I think that this, that those circumstances are going to produce some classics, you know, I really do. Definitely. It's uh, too bad for the Astros about Justin Verlander, though. Yeah, definitely. Getting Tommy John surgery. That, that was a huge that, blow. That was definitely like the 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 Astros are a different team than they were a few years ago. Even last year, you know, the uh, Verlander going down, Garrett Cole leaving for the Yankees. Um, I mean, this is kind of going back a little bit further. Keuchel is gone. Like they they don't have the same kind of pitching that they did, and their lineup. Has has you know stayed the same? They're getting older, and they're line like. I just feel like I feel like the stars are aligning in a certain way, but it's not the right way right now. For them, yeah. I think that I think that they're not equipped to face the 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 Rays pitching, and I think that the offense that the Rays put forth is just a little too good for them. I think they're going to get overwhelmed. I, I'm going to go Rays in five. To be totally honest, I think that the Astros will pull one out there, but the Rays are just too good. I agree with that. And it looks like Jose Altuve has a little case of the yips going on at shortstop or at second base rather. I mean, yeah. That's that that doesn't really surprise me. I mean, the guy the guy's been playing the guy's been so solid for so long. Everybody goes through a little bit of a rough patch. It just shouldn't be in the playoff. <laughs> Definitely. You know. Um okay. So, covering that, now let's move to the NL. Uh the Dodgers lost game 1 against the Braves. Um the Braves are a very good team coming from experience as an NL East fan. They do have a lot. They do have a lot of talent. They did lose Mike Soroka early on in the season uh, for his, uh, I, th- I believe his Achilles. He, he ruptured his Achilles pretty early on. So sorry to, I mean, their pitching isn't as, as strong as it could be, but they still, I mean, they still have a uh, freed who is great. They still have, they still have, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm blanking. I think that they still have Fulton as well. Like they they have some good pitching. Their offense obviously is great. You know, uh, Acuna and and uh, yeah, Acuna, Ozuna, uh, uh, mm, <laughs> Albies, Freddie Freeman, who's probably who's pushing for an MVP. It's it's a possibility. Totally honest. He sh- he he should have won one by now. He just hasn't. And honestly, like he's he's a great player. They have the offense, and and the and the Dodgers do have the pitching and the offense, but. It's looking it's looking rough for the Dodgers. I mean, they lost game one. Uh, Kershaw has back spasms, so he's been scratched for game two. Um, it's it's a really hard thing, you know. Yeah, it's definitely not looking so good for the Dodgers right now, especially with Kershaw's injury. He's been scratched for game two, like you mentioned. That was supposed to be a comeback game for the Dodgers. That was a huge, huge game, 
And now they're giving it off to another guy who might not perform as well. Probably Dustin May, I would assume, for game two. Either way. Either way, losing out on Kershaw is a huge blow. Huge, huge blow. And it it does not bode well for the rest of the series. Here here's why I think now now correct like here's why I think it's not as big of a deal as we might think. Okay? Now bear with me here. I know that this is gonna be something that isn't quite, you know, it, it might be a bit of a hot take here. But Kershaw is inher- is is historically not good in the playoffs. He he does get he does t- tend to get hit around a little bit in the playoffs. Um, his his curveball tends to hang a bit. He just has struggles in big games. And and honestly, um, you know, even though he's still one of the greatest pitchers to ever play the game, like that's that's undeniable. He's a Hall of Famer. Like that's a fact. You know, I still would worry that that he might have the same issue that he usually does, where you know his his skills are tested in the playoffs so i like it is a big blow don't get me wrong but i think that for the dodgers it might be a blessing in disguise to your point definitely uh for sure because kershaw's definitely had his struggles in the playoffs um the fan side of me wants to come out and say that a lot of that against the astros was the scandal (laughs) totally totally but (laughs) <laughs> but keep keeping that in the back of my mind. Uh, I totally see what you're saying about his struggles in the playoffs and his, how, how it could be a blessing in disguise. But it's still Clayton Kershaw at the end of the day. I mean, losing out on Clayton Kershaw, like you said, Hall of Fame pitcher, and in a huge in a huge game two comeback attempt. I really do think that this is a uh, the negatives outweigh the positives on this one and it's it's they're in if the dodgers lose tonight they're in a very dangerous spot just like we just said about the astros who are down to to the Rays. if the dodgers lose tonight it's going to be very hard to come back i i would totally agree with you and i think that i think that we're we're getting to a point where you know um i think we're getting to a point where we that is a you know they're staring down the barrel at possibly losing, and you know they've made the they've made the World Series how many times the past you know, what like eight years now they've been making the play the the World Series like crazy. Uh, I think this is what their th- their third or fourth in a row or something. It's like insane. Or no 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 because the Nationals won last year, yeah. so it wasn't it wasn't their third or fourth, but they have made a bunch in the past you know eight ten years. So like, I think that. They are, you know, they are honestly looking down the barrel at losing another, losing another, uh, series and not making, not making count, making it, you know, count where it really does. So I I feel bad, but at the same time, I also don't like the Dodgers. So, you know, (laughs) my personal bias had to come through there a little bit. I I try to, I try to remain, you know, non, uh, you know, non-allegianced in the way that I talk here. But you know, I I don't like the Dodgers. <laughs> they they've been they've been so good for so long, and they have this they have this like kind of cockiness about them that I just don't like. Yeah, but I mean, uh, the Braves are in your division, man. I mean, I yeah, I totally. Been they won the division in the last two years. I I understand that the Braves are in our division, and I don't like the Braves either. But I really really don't like the Dodgers. 
Well, it's, just it's, don't it's, underestimate the Braves. I'm not going to at all, and I, I think that the Braves have a really good shot here. I think that, like I said, they have a great offense. They have they have honestly some of the best bats in the league, and and they're they're not they're missing Kershaw, which is a big which is a big uh, you know thing for them. Like depending on how you look at it, obviously, but you know they're they're going to be facing Walker Bueller, who was wearing the tightest pants of all time yesterday. Um, yeah. Even a even a. Uh, a sportscaster asked him that after the game, and he said, probably not the time and place, and then he stormed off. Um, asked him about the, those tight pants, and he stormed off. I mean, like, <laughs> they're facing, they're facing what? Walker Bueller, Dustin May. Um, some pretty good guys, you know? Uh, some pretty good pitchers, but but they still, have a, they still have a shot here. And I think that, you know, I, I think that, I think that they're going to, they're, they might honestly pull it out. But I also think that the Rays are very good, and I could see them knocking out whoever comes through. I'm going to be totally honest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. This one is a very, very exciting topic for me. Um, so, as we know, we talked about this back in back in you know February, March. Um, the Mets are being bought. They've been sold to Steve Cohen, a. Uh, a securities trader and, and uh, hedge fund manager. Uh, he's worth $14 billion. He spent $2.475 billion to buy this team, which is less than the 2.6 that he offered back in January, February time. Um, there are a lot of things coming out now that do give me a lot of hope that this deal will go through. Um, there are, there was a story that came out recently that was saying that Steve Cohen wants to upgrade the quote unquote archaic Mets uh, analytics department. I think that that's absolutely fantastic. I think that that's a, a place that they've been needing upgrades for a very, very long time. Uh, when Brody came in, he, he made the anal- he doubled the analytics department size from si- from three to six, which is still tiny in the grand scheme of things. I believe that the Dodgers have like 25 to 30 in there analytics department and i mean look at how good they are so like i think that this is a this is a change that's needed to happen for a very very long time um on top of that you know we have uh sorry excuse me we have uh a story also came out recently that he's planning on paying every every gig worker that works at at city field five hundred dollars a month until the start of next season um, this is a, this is a big commitment. I believe it's a couple million dollars that he's willing to put forth to help the gig workers of city field through these tough times. You know, they haven't been working games because of, of the coronavirus. They've been basically at home. I mean, stadiums didn't have any fans in them, so they didn't really have any reason to be at city field anyway. So this is a great thing. I think that this gives him some goodwill amongst people that he's, he's making, he's making efforts to take care of his own here. Um, and I think that, I think that a lot of what he's doing is, is, is only going to strengthen his case for, for MLB owner approval. So I, I think that everything that he's put forth has worked brilliant, like is working brilliantly in his favor, despite his, his controversies. I know he had some insider trading problems in the past. He was never indicted himself. His, his company was, um, he was forced to pay, I believe 1.8 billion in penalties to the, to the, uh, SEC, but 
I, I mean, if you, can, if you can afford it, if you can afford it, I mean, the guy's worth $14 billion anyway, it doesn't matter, but <laughs> like, you know, I, I think that, I think that he has, has served his time in that sense. And I think that we're going to see, um, a better, you know, a better, more open kind of guy here that, that, that MLB owners are looking to approve. You know, I think that he's going to make the case to be approved because he's put that effort in. I agree. I don't see any way how this deal could fall through again, unless it comes from the Wilpon side of things. I, I, I mean, even then, even then, I feel like the, the, the MLB owners realize how terrible the Wilpons are anyway. I'm not even going to mince words here. They've been horrible owners. They have done nothing for this team. 2015 was a fluke. Let's, let's be totally honest. Like that had nothing to do with the Wilpons leadership and they have not, they, all they have done has, 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 devalued the Mets and devalued the league. And I'm sure that the MLB owners are happy to see them go. So like, I, I again, I'm not going to mince words there. Like the, the, the Will Ponds have been terrible owners. They really have. And, and like I said, it, when a, when a, when a New York team is bad, it actually devalues the entirety of the league. It doesn't just devalue the Mets and, and you know, in, in terms of market share and all of that stuff, when the Mets are good, the MLB is happy and they haven't been good for how long? Like, if if we're if we're talking about 2015 as a fluke, they haven't been good since the early 2000s, right? So so that's 15 years of mediocrity, for what? I mean, 2015 they started off with Daryl Siciliani, who who never played another major league game after the Mets in left field. They they like they're a jo- they were a joke. They, they, the fact that they made the the World Series at that point is honestly a fluke, and it, it shouldn't like. Not that it shouldn't have happened. I'm glad that it happened. But it, by all accounts, it shouldn't have. By all accounts. So, so I'm honestly, I'm honestly, you know, not, I'm not sad to see the Will Ponds go. And I feel like a lot of the MLB owners are going to feel the same way. And a lot of Mets fans are definitely going to feel the same way. Oh, if you couldn't tell, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look, the, the Mets have been behind the curve for years now. Uh, like, I was just reading also I'm in those articles, the Mets have, so there's a, there's a system that a lot of MLB teams have in place. It's called, I believe, um, the, I want to say like the, the pitch track system or whatever. It basically takes, uh, still, still pictures from a bunch of different angles to try and figure out how, how a, a batter is, is, is swinging or how, how, how to fix a pitcher's mechanics and the Mets don't have it. Okay, so, so, oh, hold on, my, my Wi-Fi is not doing so well. Please tell me it's going to work. Sorry about that. Either way, okay, it's, it's working fine now. So, so, the, yeah, these are the issues that we have with, with doing our show over Zoom, but it'll go, it'll go forward. So the Mets don't have that, but almost every team in the league does. So it already puts the Mets, both hitters and pitchers, at a disadvantage because they don't have the same type of data that every team does. Yeah. Yeah, that data that data that baseball teams collect is a, quite an quite an investment. It costs a lot of money to figure that well, that was, stuff out. It was said that it was said that the the whole system would cost 150 million dollars to input in, to put in place to get the different angles on the cameras, to get the the technology involved to add the analytics staff that, that takes a look at these things. And the Wilpon said, no, they, they said they didn't want to do it. They said it was too much money. 
And, and frankly, from what I've just said about Steve Cohen, do you really think that $150 million is too much money for the guy? I feel like he spends that, he spends that wiping his butt in the mornings. Like, like honestly. So, so it, it, it wouldn't be surprising to me, you know, that he would, he would, like, he would make these changes day one. And I think that everybody, in the, it, it makes the MLB more valuable. It makes the Mets more competitive. And I think it's something that he's going to do. On top of signing a bunch of free agents, which I think is a foregone conclusion. I think JT Realmuto is a foregone conclusion. I think that the Phillies don't have the money for him. And, and you know, on top of some other free agents that I do have ideas about targeting, I think that, again, there's no way that, that the MLB owners would look badly upon him for the work that he's going to do for the Mets. My favorite part of all this is the flack that Yankee fans have gotten over the last few years from Mets fans saying, oh, they just pay, they just pay for everything. They just spend a lot of money for their players, and that's not really winning, and it's not good for baseball. But now, now all the Mets fans, and I'm, I'm not talking about every Mets fan here, but the consensus seems to be, oh, great, we got a new owner. Now he's the richest MLB team owner in the league and he's going to spend second money. Richest, he's second spend richest money owner, like the Yankees do. Second richest owner in all of in all of North American professional sports. Unbelievable. Let's just, let's just say now that. now he's going to now he's going to throw his wallet around, spend some money and uh now it's okay though. Now it's a good thing. I now mean, Mets look, fans are happy look, for for the, for to spend money all of a sudden. Look. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I think it's a very good thing. I think that, positive thing I think that the there's a jealousy early. factor there. I think that there's I mean, definitely I, a jealousy I, I, factor. <laughs> and and I'm not going to say I'm not going to say I'm not going to say that there wasn't because we obviously we're going to be jealous. You guys were spending how many million dollars on Ellsbury, see how that worked out. But but Masahiro Tanaka and 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 Giancarlo Stanton, you're spending how much money on him? Like all these guys, you know, you have you're giving out huge contracts and we never had the capability. So obviously there's going to be a jealousy factor there. Obviously. I hope but it works now, out for you guys. Now at least somewhat, the shoe's going to be on the other foot. So, <laughs> I look, it's almost an embarrassment of riches here. Actually, literally, it's an embarrassment of riches. Because now they have all the money. So, like, they could do whatever they want. Luxury tax be, be forgotten, you know? Like, it, it's great. <laughs> um, Congratulations, and I hope it goes through for you. <laughs> I, I, I really hope so, too. But uh, we're going to pause for a quick PSA on WFNM 89.1 Lancaster. Uh, stand by. Sports to Sam will be right back. Uh... ...in Pennsylvania have been affected by the opioid crisis. If you or someone you know is struggling with addiction, help is available. You're not alone. Visit pa.gov opioids for resources and information on substance abuse. For treatment options, call 1-800-662-HELP. Paid for with Pennsylvania taxpayer dollars. All right, and we're back on on uh, sports with Sam and W uh, sports with Sam and Steve on WFNM eighty nine point one Lancaster. Um, we we just have a few more minutes. We're gonna kind of run through a few more things here. Uh, 
you know, NHL draft, Rangers selected Alex, Alexi Lafreniere, number one overall, took number 13, already signed his entry-level contract. Pairing him with, with some of the guys they already have, Mika Zibanejad, Artemi Panarin, all these guys, Ryan Strom too, I think that it's going to be awesome. I think that they've spent a lot of time retooling, as Jeff Gordon put it. Didn't necessarily rebuild, they kind of rebuilt. But, you know, I think that it's going to be a, a big time a big time move for them. And I think that we're going to see some great stuff. They also selected um, a 6'8 center. 6'8". This man is the second tallest in the league behind Zdeno Chara, who's over seven feet on skates. <laughs> so that's going to be awesome. I don't know if he's going to see the if he's going to see the NHL like big stage anytime soon, but that's really really cool. Um, yeah, that I mean that's really all all I kind of want to talk about on the NHL draft. I mean that was just a big time thing for the, for the Rangers. They had a fourteen percent chance of, of getting the first overall pick in the NHL lottery. They ended up getting it. They're to much to the chagrin of most NHL fans who think that the, the league is rigged for them. But it was a fair draft. It's not like, you know. Um, a few more things. Uh, the NBA has announced that next year they're not going to be having any social justice messages on courts or on jerseys or anything of that sort. Um, this might have something to do with their ratings. Uh, they did see a huge drop in ratings between, between the N NBA and other games and other other leagues um the nba is one of the most widely watched leagues in the world between china where it has a lot of traction europe where it has some traction and so honestly i don't see this as surprising i think that a lot of people feel somewhat alienated from it because you know it's this message that they don't fully support or understand um so i it doesn't surprise me that this is happening uh, at all. The move doesn't surprise me either, but I will say that I don't believe that that is the reason or the exclusive reason for the declining no, rating. Not at all. I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that it's the exclusive reason, but it's definitely a factor. I mean, you've seen you've seen what people feel about about politics getting included in sports, and while this might not necessarily be a political thing, you know, a lot of people do feel that it is. So so. Well, it definitely is. I mean, you you have a you have a climate going on right now in the NBA where I, it almost looks like it's more of a statement to stand for the national anthem than it is to kneel. Definitely. And when you have that kind of climate going on, people will feel alienated. But at the same time, when it comes to the viewership, you got to realize that the NBA finals usually happens in April, you know, and this is the first time that it's ever happened in October and they have to compete with the MLB playoffs and the start of the NFL season. And I will say as a fan that I sacrificed watching the Lakers heat finals to watch uh, the Yankees in the playoffs. And while it may be a factor, the social justice message uh, that NBA players want to convey, I do think it's been a little overblown when it comes to the ratings. Definitely. I, I, and, and it's not the only factor, but it's def I, I feel like it might definitely have some, some effect, but I think that the NHL is going to, I mean, the NBA is going to try and solve whatever they, whatever they feel might be affecting it. And they might not necessarily realize that this is the, the main reason there, you know? So any, what this move, what this move to me 
to now say this season's over, but we don't want you doing this social justice messaging with the names on the jerseys and the Black Lives Matter on the court. Now that they are removing it, it almost sends a message that they were only allowing the players to do this stuff because they just were trying to get them on the court. Because remember, there was a period of time where the players wanted to boycott. There was a period of time where they didn't want to come out and play uh, because they wanted to focus their efforts on social justice. And now that they're getting rid of these aspects of the game, it kind of shouts to me that they only did it as a bargaining chip for the players. Definitely, definitely. And I I mean, yeah, the, uh, for sure. Um okay. Just to just to run through a few of uh, just to run through a few more topics before we end the show today. Uh the XFL is back, baby. 2021. Uh it was announced that that Dwayne the Rock Johnson has bought the the XFL league. Um So Steve, do you smell what the Rock is cooking? I smell what the rock is cooking. I'm sitting here in my New York Guardians shirt. Yeah, as 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 our excited. loyal as our loyal re- listeners know, we love the XFL. <laughs> We're happy that it's coming back. Um, we'll see how it goes. I mean, honestly, if if coronavirus hadn't happened, I feel like the XFL would still be around. I feel like they were they were doing a good job, and the only reason it ended was because because of coronavirus. So I'm oh, happy to you- see, I'm happy to see it back. I that really sort am. of devastation of having to lose out on the significant, you know, back half of your season can't happen to a league in its in its infancy like that. Yeah, Any, that, that would destroy any new league. And I like that Dwayne Johnson bought the team, bought the XFL because he's coming from that same cloth that Vince McMahon came from from WWE. I think we're going to see a lot of good and good new implementations and the things that we like from the old league definitely, as well. Definitely. Um, so last topic I want to cover for today um, with, with the changes that coronavirus has brought on, there has been a lot of, a lot of schedule changes, obviously. I mean, the NHL season just finished up. The NBA season just finished up. Um, baseball is not really going to change very much, but especially for, for the NHL and NBA, you know, both both leagues have players that do end up playing in the Olympics. And so since since the Olympics are going to be coming up in a few years, and since since the season's just ended and they'd usually be starting right about now, it's going to mess up the whole schedule going forward. So so we have we have a Winter Olympics coming up in 2022 in in January February 2022. And you know, since these schedules are all messed up now, the the leagues are going to start later and they might not actually line up so that players can go and play in in you know in the olympics um especially for i think that the nba is really going to struggle because that's happening next summer you know if if we had a regular season here the olympics would have happened the players would have been able to play we would have had our finals at a normal time because the finals would have already been over and then they would have gone to go play so but now here we are October October thirteenth, and you know they have they they had issues getting getting the season done, and now they finally have on October thirteenth. So I think it's going to be really hard for players to go and play in those in those international competitions because of these schedule changes. And I think that this is something that we have to pay attention to going forward. I wouldn't be surprised to see some schedule changes announced, but that's definitely something that we have to watch. Definitely, you know, changes are definitely coming their way. 
I would say it's not uncommon for teams to talk to their players and pretty much tell them you're not playing in these international tournaments. We see it a lot with uh, the FIBA World Cup. A lot of players who don't play in that. Uh, when it comes to the Olympics, as much as we would love to see the American team dominate like they do every year, now that with a shorter period between the regular start of the NBA season, I don't anticipate seeing as many NBA superstars playing in the 2021 Olympics in Japan. But this is something that's going to be negotiated and worked out over many, many months between the league and the players associations. And we'll just have to wait and see on this topic. Definitely. And, and I, I, you know, I, I anticipate some, you know, some definite changes and some issues coming along with this. But again, I also expect that, that the leagues are going to come out. I think that the NHL is going to do fewer games. I think that the NBA is probably going to follow suit or other way around just because they, the players do want to play in these things and it does make the Olympics more exciting. I mean, you want the best players, you want the best players in the world playing in the Olympics. That's always the, that's always the, the, the what's meant to be. I mean, you know, you have teams like the dream team and, and, and the miracle team and the miracle on ice team that beat the Russians and all of that. Like you want to see that happen. So I think, I think that for the good of, of the Olympics and for all of that, I think that you're going to see more, more of a chance that that happens. I certainly hope so. I, I do too. So that's it for this week. Um, thank you everybody for tuning in. I'm glad that, that the technology has been sorted out and that we'll be able to, to bring you sports with Sam this semester. Uh, and Steve sports with Sam and Steve. Sorry. My apologies. Uh, Steve, you got anything else to say? No, thanks everybody for tuning in. Thank you everyone for tuning in. See you next week. Um, You can listen to this whenever you'd like on SoundCloud. Um, It'll be posted right after the show. Uh, Thank you again for tuning in. This has been Sports with Sam and Steve on WFNM.